You're listening to an episode of Cancer Mythbusters, a podcast from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where we talk about the many myths, misconceptions, and questions in the world of cancer. In this episode, we're answering some of the most asked questions about colorectal cancer. As of 2019, colorectal cancer is the third most common cancer diagnosed in men and women in the United States. But survival after diagnosis has been gradually increasing in the past decade due to advances in treatment. However, since 1994, cases of young onset colorectal cancer have increased by 51%, according to the National Cancer Institute. In March 2019, Dana-Farber Brigham and Women's Cancer Center announced the launch of the Young Onset Colorectal Cancer Center, which focuses exclusively on the care of colorectal cancer patients under age 50 in an effort to address the alarming increase in rates among young adults. Today's guest is Dr. Jeffrey Meyerhart, Clinical Director of the Gastrointestinal Cancer Center at Dana-Farber. He'll answer common questions about treatment and research, family history, and ways that you can reduce your risk whether you're a young adult or older. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. So first of all, colorectal cancer, colon cancer, rectal cancer, is there a difference between any of these terms or do they all refer to the same type of cancer? I mean, biologically, there's the same type of cancer. The colon and the rectum are the end of your digestive tract. Um, the rectum is essentially the last few inches. So we think of it somewhere between 12 and 15 centimeters, which you know is about five to six inches at the end of the colon. Um, there are some differences in how we treat them because the rectum is a little bit more in a fixed structure. So for earlier stage disease, sometimes we'll include radiation for rectal cancer, but not, we rarely include radiation when we treat a early stage colon cancer. And surgically, there's definitely differences in, in uh, uh, techniques on how to surgically treat early stage colon and rectal cancer uh, differently. Because rectal cancer is kind of right at the end of the digestive tract, sometimes when you have surgery for your rectum, it does require a colostomy. Um, but often, uh, a colostomy can be avoided uh, uh, eventually. Sometimes there'll be a temporary colostomy. But that's really the difference is some, to some degree the treatment of it. Um, and, but biologically, the risk factors and um, the uh, behavior of the cells are actually very similar. I talked earlier in my introduction about the colon cancer rate and how it's rising in young adults. So what do researchers think is the cause for this at this point? Yeah, and so that, the answer is we don't really know. Um, you know, colon cancer is something that we know a lot about different risk factors relatively. So family history being a, a, a big one in terms of either having one of these genetic syndromes, something like Lynch syndrome, or just having a family history, a parent or a sibling who's had uh, either colon or rectal cancer. But then there's other risk factors that are, some are environmental, some are what we consider modifiable, some are related to other diseases like ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. And some of the thought of why 
of the rise, uh, uh, particularly in the people in their 30s and 40s, relatively. I mean, still most people who get colorectal cancer in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, um, but relatively the risk for the people in their 30s and 40s is higher than it was several decades ago, albeit it's a still a very small risk. And one of them is, is one of the environmental factors, or what we consider environmental factor, which is obesity. And there have actually been studies that have suggested and, and really started to point some of the evidence to the rising body mass index and obesity uh, in the, this country as well as, as other countries. Um, and that's part of the explanation. There may also be some shifts in diet that have also been affecting. There's a lot of research we're doing here as well as other places uh, looking at what's called the microbiome, uh, which is the bacteria that normally live in our gut. And has that been sort of shifting as, again, obesity has increased and as diets have changed and some of those may be uh, uh, some of those changes may be affecting the risk. But we're really still in the early stage of trying to really understand what's the difference and how can we intervene on that uh, uh, in earlier life. And so people often have the misconception when they're diagnosed with colorectal cancer that there is nothing doctors can do for them. Can you talk about this and discuss some recent advancements in colorectal cancer treatment? Yeah. So, I mean, for the majority of people, colorectal cancer is a curable disease. The earlier you catch it, the more curable it is, which is really the importance of screening uh, uh, for uh, uh, patients who are asymptomatic and, and don't, you know, as, as uh, sort of routine screening as you get older. Um, the treatments have definitely advanced in terms of both the people who have early stage disease, surgery, there's been advance in surgery that have made that have improved the cure rates. There's been some advance in what we call adjuvant chemotherapy, which is therapy given after surgery to reduce the risk of recurrence in people who have earlier stage disease. And there's definitely been advances with people with metastatic disease. So uh, it's true if we talk about two decades ago, the survival for patients with metastatic disease was was li more limited. Um, there's definitely variability in how people with metastatic disease uh, do now, but the survival has actually increased threefolds compared to two decades ago, ago on average. And again, there's some people who live well beyond the averages, and then, uh, but we still have a lot of work to do uh, to really improve outcomes for all patients. And so, yeah, you mentioned screening recommendations. So they have recently changed for colorectal cancer. Um, what do listeners need to know, and what does screening usually look like? Yeah. So screening, so the, there's various ways to potentially screen for colorectal cancer. And they, the honest answer is there's some pretty large studies that have looked at screening and shown a benefit for both the reducing the risk of colorectal cancer as well as is survival or mortality from colorectal cancer. Um, those screening techniques range from checking for stool, uh, for blood in your stool, um, what we call either fecal occult blood testing or, or a FIT test, um, which is looking again for occult blood or, or hidden blood in the stool, uh, to doing a sigmoidoscopy, which is some people think of it as like half of a colonoscopy, but just uh, looking at part of the colon to a full colonoscopy. Uh, there's general agreement that a colonoscopy is still the most sensitive test. It's the most complex test, but it's the most uh, sensitive test. Um, but there are, again, the randomized studies show even if you don't do a colonoscopy, doing fecal occult blood testing or FIT testing now uh, uh, can detect blood, and then you follow up with a colonoscopy in those patients. So there are a lot of different ways to screen. In fact, 
the multi-societies that uh, make recommendations, both the American Cancer Society and the Gastroenterology uh, Societies um, and the, the task force, uh, the U.S. task force, have all sort of agreed upon that there are different techniques that people can do, and the importance is to try to do some type of screening. Um, uh, the the recommendations up until recently were to start at age 50 because again that's where the incidence really starts increasing and the rate per uh, uh, every five years starts increasing. Um, the American Cancer Society recently suggested to lower that starting screening age and this is for an average risk patient uh, to 45. That hasn't been fully adopted or uh, by all the different other societies yet so I think right now we're in a little bit of a transition in terms of knowing what's the best time to start screening and also what insurances will cover uh, in terms of starting screening and again I think the importance is that's screening for someone who has doesn't have significant risk factors. If you have a family history, like if you had a father who had colon cancer at age 50, all, all societies would say to start your screening at least 10 years prior to that. If you are someone who has one of the diseases that we associate with colorectal cancer, like ulcerative colitis, there's a whole screening program for that. And if you are a family member who has a familial syndrome, like Lynch syndrome, uh, again, there's different screening guidelines. So the the, the 50 uh, and maybe soon 45 or younger is for patients who are sort of average risk, as we call them. And what about those commercials for at-home DNA screening tests? Within guidelines is also to look at, um, it's basically the concept of looking at fragments of DNA that are associated with potentially cancer cells. And um, so this, these are the uh, fecal DNA tests of which there's various commercial products out there, which again have had have some sensitivity. Um, they, uh, um, the reimbursement's a little less clear, uh, so for some uh, uh, patients they're not reimbursed well. And again, it's all, they still have to be followed up with a colonoscopy. Um, so it's if you have found something abnormal, you would follow up with a colonoscopy. And again, they're not 100% sensitive too, so they will miss some patients, including missing some polyps. So you, you touched on this, but um, another common misconception is that people don't need to be screened for colon cancer if they don't have a family history of the disease. So can you just talk about that and reiterate yeah. any important points? So, yeah, so I think absolutely if you have a family history, you should get screened. But you know, only about um, 15%, sorry, about 15 to 20% of patients who have colorectal cancer or who are diagnosed with colorectal cancer will get will have had a family history of a first-degree relative. So the vast majority of people who develop colorectal cancer and diagnose with colorectal cancer don't have a family history. So all those people, again, would have benefited from screening. The other important part of screening is the reason screening can also be helpful is most colorectal cancer stars polyps, little growths in the colon or rectum, that over time, if they continue to grow, some of them will become a cancer. and one of the other purposes of screening is to try to detect those early, remove them, and then you actually never develop a cancer from that polyp. Are there any signs and symptoms of polyps that kind of come up for people regularly? Yeah, yeah so, so polyps can bleed. Um, so, you know, you will have patients who have a positive fecal cold blood testing or actually see blood in their stool and they'll get a scope and they'll have a polyp that fortunately hasn't turned malignant yet or hasn't become cancerous. Um, Polyps, if they become large enough, can also 
lead to what we call obstructive symptoms. Your colon and your rectum and most of your GI tracts a big piece of plumbing. And if inside you block the plumbing, things can back up and you can get symptoms from that, whether that be abdominal cramping or constipation or change in the caliber of the stool. So some polyps can become large and, and lead to similar symptoms that you would see with someone who, where it truly became malignant. So what advice, too, would you give to anyone who really dreads a colonoscopy? As I said, colonoscopies are the most complex of the screening techniques. Um, for most people, the what they dread the most is the prep, actually, um, because you have to clean out your stool. It's the best way for the gastroenterologist or the surgeon to be able to look inside the colon, really see particularly small polyps uh, or other lesions there. And so the prep is, is the toughest part. Uh, for most people, that means not eating the day prior and then sometime in the afternoon starting a, a clean out. I think there's been a there are a lot of different ways to potentially clean out, and there's been some evolution in sort of the formulas that are used. You know, different gastroenterologists and surgeons will prefer different formulas in terms of cleaning out. The most important thing is to stay hydrated. The day of the procedure is for most people a little easier. Um, in general, most people get some level of anesthesia to make sure they're comfortable. They do pump air into the colon, and so there's some gassy symptoms that you'll have after. Um, but again, if you get a colonoscopy and it looks clean, you know the guidelines then would say you can go eight to ten years if you're an average risk patient. So, you know, I think the compromise of of that um, some discomfort and some uh, inconvenience of it to sort of feel you know that things are cleared for a period of time is really important. Now, if they do find something, then it may that you need a next colonoscopy a little sooner. Um, and that all depends on if they find some polyps and the number of polyps and the size of the polyps. And so there's various recommendations in terms of follow-up based on what they find. And so um, is there anything else you think people should kind of just generally know about colorectal cancer that we haven't covered yet? Yeah, I mean, again, I would re reiterate, this is a curable disease for most patients. So the earlier we catch it, and certainly if we catch it before it even became a cancer and the polyps state, but even if it has developed in cancer, the earlier we catch it, the higher chance of, of, of curing a patient is. So I think that's a, a really an important take-home point. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out more of our content by searching for Understanding Cancer on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. To learn more about us, visit DanaFarber.org. Mm -hmm.